be okay and before that you heard the eagles and long run you're listening to the one two three show times 25 minutes to three o'clock and i am just about to join my guest in a few moments i can see him now so just give me a few moments and we will start the program Just don't see it 
He says it's perfect sense. You just can't get agreement in this present tense. We all talk a different language. Talking in defense. Say it
Now, a new feature for the 123 show is JJ's Music Box. And before we join him, I want you to hear our featured artists. Today, we are featuring Um Kulsum from Egypt, and here she is. feature on the show each week Jayang Javeri will be giving us an insight into the life and music of some of the leading global singers and musicians whose contributions have made a huge impact on people's lives. This week JJ's Music Rock features Um Kudum from Egypt who you're listening to just then. Jayang was on the show last week with a special tribute to the late Lata Mangeshkar and this track was actually an inspiration from one of Lata's songs and I'm sure Jayang knows it very well. Let me just welcome him to the studio. Good afternoon to you, Jayang. Good afternoon, Sadia. It's so nice to be back um, with you again it's lovely on the to, show. It's lovely to have you. And it's a lovely idea, this, to bring the music box to listeners every week. Now, Jayang, that particular track that we just heard at the moment, um, you mentioned to me that it had, and was actually an inspiration for Lata as well to produce a song similar music. Sure, sure. It was the um, uh, fra- a song Ghar Aya Mera Pardesi from the film Avara. 
which was composed by Shankar Jaikishan and the first verse of that song and the introductory, the prelude music was uh, essentially just uh, 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 inspired by uh, Ala Baladi, which is the song that you heard, which translates as Take Me to the Country of My Beloved. Oh, well, it was a lovely track. Yeah. And actually, uh, let me tell you this. It was Lata Mangeshkar herself who introduced me to the music of Um Kultum. Oh, wow. My goodness. So so when, when, when Lata Ji mentioned Um Kultum to me, I just turned around to her and said, Ah, so Um Kultum was the Lata Mangeshkar of Egypt. And she looked at me and she said, Oh God, I wish they'd call me the Um Kultum of India. Oh, you know, wow. and she said that you have you you think I'm good. You listen to her, and you'll know who, what good what a what a, what a great singer is. Mm. And I must say that that's actually set me off on a journey of discovery. And I started collecting uh, uh, songs by Um Kultum. Now, this is a singer who has been uh, praised by people like Bob Dylan, by singers, great artists like Bob Dylan, Maria Callas. Uh, Beyonce, Shakira, of course, and of course, Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin, who said he was driven to distraction by listening to her. <laughs> oh my goodness, you know? that's great. I mean, anybody who's the pitch-perfect voice, the absolute control over the uh, uh, over the flow of the voice, every single nuance is not a, not a note out of key, and the expression, and the ability to hold audiences in thrall for up to two hours and sometimes her songs which could have completely i mean they were essentially this this is all um arab uh classical uh, classic arabic poetry right and uh often the audience would tell her to repeat a line because every time she repeated the line there was some variation of some nuance mm-hmm. which was never repeated mm-hmm. and they'd go absolutely gaga this is one thing with lata mangeshkar pointed out to me she said that you know when she heard her live recordings for the first time she was driven to tears by simply the kind of audience reaction that this lady would get on every single verse wow. you know and it was not for nothing that uh, she was called the fourth pyramid and the voice of um, the, uh, the, the Nile and uh, all sorts of epithets and uh, thing. In fact, uh, Omar Sharif uh, made a, a documentary uh, called uh, a, the Vo- a Voice Like Egypt, okay. uh, which was based on a book uh, written by Virginia Danielson, who was uh, uh, who has written her authoritative biography of uh, Umm Kultum. So that's Umkultum for you. I mean, you, she has the whole Arab world in Yeah, throne. you mentioned just then about how people would want her to repeat part of, um, uh, uh, you know, the song that she was doing. But And also, we were having a discussion about this and, you know, we're thinking the duration of some of these songs. Some of them actually, you know, on the radio, we're talking like four or five minutes, things like that. But right. actually, some of these were very long tracks, weren't they? They went on for, for 45 minutes, you were saying. Sometimes in even an hour, yes. Wow. So yes. it was just a continuous, was it, it was just a repetition or it was just a very long story that was being had here? No, it was repetition of the verse and the lines, but with variations. And uh, the way that she did, did variations was using the uh, Arabic equivalent of modal scales or what in Hindustani music we'd call ragas. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. would use, and she would come up with all different kinds of improvisation and variation on the lines, which would elicit delight from the audience. Wow. So 
um, the the style of music and this whole uh, ability of music to in, induce ecstasy in the listeners uh, was known as tarab in uh, uh, in in Arabic, in Arabic yeah. and she excelled at that. Right. Uh, I mean, you could see you there. You can see videos of her on YouTube where the audience are going absolutely mad. So it's just a, a trance-like thing that yeah, the audience absolutely. really. That's what it is, really, isn't it? Yeah, that it they're was the poetry, the voice, the presence, everything. And what you was know? the what was the kind of cultural and political context of her music? Was it um, she was? Did she focus on a particular area? So that that then takes us uh, back to her origins. I mean, she was born to an imam, a preacher, and she started off by singing religious songs in his uh, in his troop. And she, her, she was discovered as a young artist by one of uh, uh, by some people from Cairo's cultural elite, and um, they uh, started introducing her to record companies. And I mean, she had her first recording contract with uh, uh, the gramophone company um, in 1926. And at that time, she negotiated 10,000 US. I mean, you're talking oh, about... What, when was that? What was the date again? No, 1926. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> well, she was doing yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so she started off singing a lot of these Arabic classical. And along the way, you know, she had many people, many famous musicians who guided her. She learned how to play the oud which is the Arabic mm, lute. Beautiful. And, and uh, uh, she perfected her uh, diction, uh, her uh, vocal, uh, uh, the control over her vocal, uh, uh, I mean, all the nuances that you have to master in order to be able to sing like this. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone, uh, I mean, if you watch that documentary by Omar Sharif, people say that she's the last word in diction. I mean, her diction was considered flawless. Mm. You know, pretty, pretty, and and here there are. I mean, you would recognize this idea. There's striking parallels between her and somebody like Lata Mangeshkar. Yes, you know? absolutely. I was just thinking that that you know Lata, although you know she sang in Urdu, that wasn't her actual language itself. But the so many people have said just how amazing and precise she was when she did sing. It was amazing. Yeah. So um, that's that's how she came into being. And over time, what happened was that um, she um, uh, the repertoire became more and more refined and she and it turned uh, towards uh, what in Egypt would be considered or in the Arab world would be considered more modern interpretations. Um, uh, although the singing was very classical Arabic. Uh, the poetry, uh, I mean, there's one poet called Ahmed Rami. In fact, this uh, song that we just heard in the beginning was written by Ahmed Rami. And he wrote, went on to write about 137 songs for her. And um, uh, some of this poetry was then, there were different composers out there who set it to music. And over time, they started incorporating a lot of Western instruments like uh, violins and cellos and double basses in the orchestra. And what was very intriguing was that they didn't have scores. If you look at watch the videos, okay. these guys don't have any music sheets in front of them. Wow. They were expected to memorize it the was... pieces. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. That wouldn't happen now, would it? <laughs> well, no, it wouldn't. I mean, and and um, and this, the, as I said, you know, it would continue for hours. Um, the concerts, and so then uh, she, uh, while King Farouk uh, was uh, the the British uh, uh, ruled in Egypt through. King Farouk, so she sang for King Farouk as well, and over time and after that, there was the revolution 
and she was a big supporter and sympathizer of uh, Gamal Abdul Nasser who came to power in a military uh, coup okay. and it seems that because uh, she had sung for king farooq somebody in the administration decided to ban her from radio cairo oh no and then nasser turned around and said why don't i hear um kulthum mm-hmm. and he said sir she sang for king farooq so we had to take her off air off air are you crazy do you want the whole of egypt to turn against us you know put her back on again so since 1934 ever since the inception of uh, broadcasting uh, public service broadcasting in egypt she used to do a live concert every first that on the first thursday of every month that continued till the yeah. uh, almost till her death wow. in 1975 wow. and they said that when she was on air and you know over time because um, nasser believed in this pan arab ideal and bringing all the arab nations together mm-hmm. this broadcast would go out to the entire arab world as a united force in, that's right yes. yes so whether you were in iraq or syria or in the uae or uh, saudi arabia at 9:30 pm on a thursday night you went home the streets were empty you gathered around the radio and you listened to her and sometimes those concerts went into the wee hours of the morning you and know. young and old alike were into her music everyone absolutely mm-hmm. in fact so much so that even today with their version of uh, the american idol or whatever mm-hmm. uh, reality talent shows they have on tv they insist on singing her songs okay you know so it's and still very much alive pop- then yes 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 mm. much as much as again i draw a parallel here between her and lata mangeshkar if you look at any uh, reality tv music reality show in india the mostly the songs that the female singers tend to sing are either lata mangeshkar or sister asha bosley Wow. And how was she in terms of the public? How did the public view her? Because obviously she's part of their life. She's been there for years on end and and as you said, you know, adults and children, how do they how do they look out upon her? Well, I mean, she was revered. She was revered as a goddess, as a mm-hmm, diva. Mm-hmm. And um the thing is that she had a very carefully crafted public persona, uh which was very genuine. There was nothing fake about it. It's just that she chose to uh, to carefully manage how the public would perceive her so she always traveled with her own photographer she did not uh, she only gave interviews to certain select journalists she kept herself aloof um and so there was always a mystique around her and do we know you anything know? about her personal life was she married did she have children what she apparently apparently she was married twice one of the marriages did not last for very long a few weeks I, from what i have uh, read and other than that she pretty much was by herself uh, uh, there was some talk of uh, a relationship between her and a member of the royal family which uh, the royal uh, at that time the royal family steadfastly refused to even countenance you mm-hmm. know because mm-hmm. uh, whatever the social mores were at, at that time um and no there's no talk about any children there's some step children that they talk about from one of her marriages mm-hmm. and so pretty much she was her own own person and today how is she seen how i mean her music must still be blasting out there everywhere and as you said people oh, it, wanted uh, to to sing like her oh absolutely apparently still every wednesday at 5 pm uh, her songs are played faithfully on the radio um there are people dj's who have sampled her tracks there are other bands uh, and singers who have reinterpreted her songs 
um, uh, there uh, any any singer worth their salt in that part of the world. I mean, we are not, and we are not 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 only speaking of Egypt, but the Arab world in general. Um, you mentioned Um Kultum. To, uh, I mean, they, she's her, their ideal. They want to sing like her. They want to train their voices to be able to sing uh, in that finely filigreed, pitch perfect voice, uh, which had such a uh, so much power to arouse emotion in their audience's uh, mind. So that's how it is at the moment. Wow. Well, Jeong, thank you so much, so much. There, we are going to end with some of her music. And um, right. can you just tell me this track uh, that we'll end with? So, so that's yeah. This is this is quite. This is considered one of her biggest uh, uh, hits. It's called Inta Umri, which means uh, "You're My Life." Now, interestingly, it was composed by a uh, famous composer and singer and actor called Muhammad Abdul Wahab, who was at one point in time considered a rival simply because rival for attention. But they came together in the mid '60s, and uh, he composed for her. And then, obviously, he looked up to her. When they started working together, he had was nothing but praises for her. And uh, this uh, track that you're going to listen to is uh, uh, one of their biggest hits together, and that pretty much defines who she was originally. If um, you look at this track, it's 45 minutes, but I think here uh, we'll only have time to sample a, bit, a particular yes, that's right. Well, Jen, thank you very much, and I look forward to the music box next week as well. Thank you. The pleasure so is much. mine. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you.